what's up everything it's been a long night and i'm very tired but fortunately the bar for poor performances in the nhl has now been reset so if i give you even one second of solid podcasting tonight i will have outlasted mike babcock's tenure behind the bench in columbus we've got that in the prospect pyramid to cover today so let's get started and let's go blues Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys One Cup podcast. It is a uh, day of the week on a day of the month in a month of the year, and we are here brought together once again by hockey, and not only hockey, but hockey that has news starting to happen again. That's right. Can you believe it? Uh, there's actual hockey events to talk about, and as is the case with the National Hockey League there. Uh, humiliating for the sport and deeply embarrassing for specific teams. Um, so that's fun. That's cool. Love that. Very exciting. Uh, and of course, we're talking about the uh, Mike Babcock situation, or as I described it in the notes, Mike Babcock a doodle doesn't coach in Columbus. <laughs> that's right. No, I'm just kidding. I will. Ne- I'll never fit that on too. Uh, whatever that is called, whatever SoundCloud. Uh, and Pavel Vincent right into the fire is now the head coach. Uh, after a tumultuous zero games behind the bench for the Columbus Blue Jackets, Ian Mike Babcock has parted ways with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Spit and Chickwitz broke the story on Tuesday that ultimately led to his firing, explaining in their typically uh, unserious and hockey bro culture kind of way uh, that Babcock was asking to go through players' picture roles on their phones to, quote, see what kind of person they are. Later that day, Babcock and Captain Boone Jenner released a joint, I don't know if it tech. Technically, it was a joint statement or just two statements that were released together, but <laughs> kind of a joint statement. Corroborating statements. Explaining. The, the, yeah, you always want to be involved with co- corroborating statements. You know, that's a big thing for people. Uh, but they basically explained that the situation was a misunderstanding. The inter- interaction was innocent. Babcock was just, you know, looking at pictures of Jenner's family or whatever, yada, yada, yada. Johnny Gaudreau, another veteran, also spoke out in defense of Babcock. However, uh, it looked temporarily like the situation might be put to bed. But as the week progressed and the NHL NHLPA, uh, newly headed by Marty Walsh, launched a full-scale investigation of the incident, depending on where you want to draw the borderline there, the temperature on Babcock continued to turn up. Uh, It seems like from everything that's come out, at least so far, we're recording this on Sunday night, uh, it seems that there were no incidents that were necessarily much more severe uh, than were uncovered, although maybe one longer session of phone picture roll study um, that there's been bandied about on Twitter and the like. Um, But it was more a case that the young players, who, of course, are abundant in Columbus and very central to the team's future, uh, were far less comfortable with the interactions than were the veterans. This is a statement from the NHLPA. They said, 
Our players deserve to be treated with respect in the workplace. Unfortunately, this was not the case in Columbus. The club's decision to move forward with a new head coach is the appropriate course of action. Babcock's statement read, Upon reflection, it has become clear that continuing as head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets was going to be too much of a distraction. While I'm disappointed to not have had this opportunity to coach the work... Sorry. While I'm disappointed to not have had the opportunity to continue the work we've begun... I know it's in the best interest of the organization for me to step away at this time. I wish everyone in the organization well in the upcoming season. You'll note uh, if you paid close attention or even not so close attention that there wasn't anything even hinting uh, at an apology there. And finally, an excerpt from Aaron Portsline's article. He says, don't get this twisted. This is not proof of a society that is too in the throes of wokeness to handle a demanding coach with unusual tactics. This is not an issue of young players expecting kid glove treatment and being too soft to play for an old school coach. This is unacceptable behavior on any level with any player in any generation. Looking through someone's phone is worse than digging through their wallet or purse. As one former NHL coach said to the athletic, whatever happened to whatever happened to getting lunch or getting a coffee? That was uh, Ken Hitchcock who said that. No, I don't know that. No, I was like, or getting a milkshake. I mean, to be fair, it is Columbus. So maybe, maybe he knows Aaron Ford's line, which would be kind of hilarious if Ken Hitchcock is the one that's like, these coaches these days are too hard on the kids, you know? His old parts. Yeah. Bissonette, Paul Bissonette, obviously, of Spit and Chicklets, uh, a former player and a current TV analyst, actually did the Blue J- Jackets a huge favor here. As painful as these last few days had been, geez, the Blue Jackets prospects looked great in the Travis Tur- City tournament, by the way. It was important to confront this as quickly as possible. Most important is to do the right thing, no matter how painful it is. They've done the right thing, excuse me, by moving on from Babcock, but now there's more work to do. Ian, I think this is, um, obviously we could dunk on the whole Babcock situation, and probably will, Um, (laughs) but I think this is kind of, just because of the things that all sort of came together in one story here, this is kind of a, I don't want to say it's a watershed moment for the NHL, because um, we all know they're going to do the same underhanded shit that they've always done um at times but i think this is a more significant shall we say hockey cultural moment than it might appear at first glance for for a number of factors this is really like the first big thing marty walsh has done as head of the players association um which is you know getting a lot of praise for him because he did launch this full investigation he traveled to columbus and actually talked to these players and found out firsthand he apparently pressured the organization and the league to get this done. Um, I think the role of of Spit and Chicklets here is is very intriguing and like, you know, it's it's. I saw Paul Bissonnette tweet something like, "This is a players' podcast, and if you mess with the players, we're going to get you eventually," or something. And like, I think that's not probably the worst thing to exist in the nhl you know Mm -hmm. like to have that kind of player advocacy outspoken group even if chicklets gets it wrong on occasion or goes too far or or is just goofy and and ridiculous in general that fact um just the speed at which this actually became settled and and they didn't let this really drag on an indefinite amount of time and the fact that you know right or wrong in the past, they did actually make the decision to get rid of Babcock here. It all feels like a big deal uh, to me. What are your kind of initial thoughts on all of this? 
yeah it does kind of feel like progress in terms of just like coaches not being able to get away with treating their players however they want or treating them less than less than people in certain regards i'm sure you know much worse than this has been done by even babcock himself (laughs) so um to be to be drawing a line here and saying anything this bad or worse is unacceptable i think is really good and like you said especially good for marty walsh just being like the new head of the pa and kind of being you know i don't think this is the hardest stance for him to take but even taking it especially in the wake of what's been happening in the last two or three years in the nhl i think that's like a good first job by him to like make the stand for the players it's a lot of progress and i think too it's one of those things where um they let go of babcock they have the the blue jackets organization as like the wherewithal to do that and just say we're just going to have another coach in here and like the coach they brought into by all accounts is like a player's coach so they've really replaced they've done a full like 180 really which is good for their prospects um but yeah as far as Babcock goes like I think everyone I think most everyone it felt like thought this was like a bad hire to begin with and it was not a good move to have him around a young rebuilding team with, as Portsline points out, a lot of really great prospects. Um, that it just wasn't ever going to work. And maybe Babcock's time in the NHL passed anyways. He'd been out of the league for the last, I don't even know, like two years, three years. And he'd got ousted because he wasn't doing well with young players. So he's going to constantly get older. These players are going to essentially stay the same age. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. But like they're he's, I don't know. The gap is just too great. And it is the old, like you can't teach old dogs new tricks. And it's, he just is who he is. And he obviously didn't really learn anything. Like I'm sure this is relatively, you know, benign compared to other stuff coaches do to players or have done in the past you know, himself included, but like at the same time, I do think it is one of those things like that's a, I read comments on Twitter, which you should never do where people are like, why is this a big deal? Like if you have something to hide in your pictures, it's probably like gross stuff that really like we're trying to like make a team here and, and make sure that everyone's like, I don't know. I don't even know that anyone said this, but like, I don't know how that has anything to do with making a team. You want them to be all wholesome or whatever. Like if someone has a Mm. dick pic on their phone, they're like, wow, you are a terrible human and should not be playing hockey. It's like, who cares? But it's all your own stuff. I don't even like people going through like my phone and looking at photos. There's nothing in there. It's just like, but it's just could be private stuff. And it's, if you're just asking for like a family photo or something, that's fine. But I agree with like the coach where it's like, why do you need, they're like, I'm just trying to get to know the players. I'm like, do you think I'm lying to you that I have a family? <laughs> they're like, let me see your family. You said you had three kids, but there's a fourth kid in this picture. He doesn't look like you though. What's the deal with that? And be like, oh, well, that's like a friend. Oh, okay. Well, I thought you were a fucking liar and I was going to fucking roast you in front of the whole team. But now you've explained something. So that's great. That's great to see. Like, I just don't understand the need for pictures. Yeah. And I do think it's interesting too, that you get two veteran players like Boone Jenner, I think is a little bit older than Goudreau, but Goudreau is not new to the league by any means. And both those guys are North American players um, that while they're not super old, have probably grown up in that sort of culture within the locker room and everything and understand how that works. 
And maybe they think Babcock's going to be a help to their team. So they just go, eh, whatever. But I think, A, you get younger players from a different generation. And B, I think they have a lot of, like, European players, too, which Mm -hmm. is, like, a huge gap in terms of just, like, the cultural landscape. Like, a lot of European players are probably a lot more um, introverted, keep to themselves, if not just for a language barrier. It's just, like, a cultural barrier. You know, a lot of Swedish players, Finnish players, German players, all those players like you know we don't really we're not waving to people randomly on the street we're not striking up random conversations with folks in line so like now you want to look at the pictures on my phone like this seems really weird (laughs) to me and if you're rubbing all your players the wrong way like rightly or wrongly like that's just not a good environment especially if you can't like own up like you said with like an apology or something like oh actually i see where this is gross and wrong and weird like my bad it's just like i don't understand players these days why don't they want to show me their phone pictures um yeah it just it's it's so weird to me that that was like something he was doing from like day one and i guess to transition to and hear what you have to think about this like i think ports lines you know, snippet here that you have where, you know, they've done the right thing by moving on from Babcock, but now there's more work to do. Like, that's, that's like the real news here is like, so this guy was hired by Kekalainen and we talked about this, I think, even last week or the last time we did a podcast when we did the Metro, like Kekalainen's been an okay GM, like, but that's like a best and I don't know how long he's been there now. He's been there for a while. And he just hired this guy. I think this was a good hire. And like, if you have to get rid of him due to this cultural difference or rubbing your team the wrong way, that was your guy. You made that decision. So what do you do about Yarmo? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. This whole organization just hasn't progressed in a decade or more. And I feel like you don't want to go out and rush a decision in the sump and you know the preseason because mm-hmm. um just because of this situation but like if if we were talking about i think back in the in the um misery index discussion that this probably was ma- Kekalainen's last hire anyway or at least it felt like it would be like either Babcock would have some success and that would kind of show that Yarmo took a big risk and and got the right guy for the job which to be fair seemed unlikely um but you know was at least possible uh either that happened or you know Babcock went up maybe not to this kind of flaming defeat, but to some kind of defeat and wasn't good enough and then ended up, you know, being the end of Kekalainen too, because whether it was Kekalainen specifically who stuck his neck out or not, he made the decision ultimately to make this higher. And so you have to kind of wear that, even if you're not the guy that specifically was like, oh, I think my Babcock is a good idea. You got convinced, Mm -hmm. you know, so you're still on the hook for it. Um, uh now it's like this situation this is an interesting situation because it's like if this story came out about like mike sullivan or craig berube or bruce cassidy they're probably not getting fired i mean right like yeah it's probably a situation where you're like well that's kind of weird and don't do that and that's super uncomfortable but like 
this is obviously a situation, and, and rightfully so. I'm not. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying it's a double standard. Mike Babcock uh, has a history, and that's part of why he gets that double. You know, that double standard to the extent that it is one. So you know, but I'm just saying, like this, it's not like this action is so egregious that you're like, oh, Yarmo, how did you not see and condemn this immediately and stop it? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is weird because it's Babcock and and the young players are too important to this team for us to continue this experiment they only had him on a two-year deal or something anyway so in any case but yeah i mean to me i think you've got to be looking for yarmo's replacement even if you don't immediately go out and fire him because you know if if this was a blip on the radar in a decade of incredible success for the organization then i might feel differently and say hey you know everybody has a bad mistake everybody makes a poor decision whatever um but this team has been incredibly struggling for years to get over so um get over the hump so you know this Mm -hmm. is like that last blemish on and otherwise not all that great track record i don't know that he i i think this has to be sort of it right he's older the nhl is moving in a younger direction a very player focused direction um i just don't think guys like him really like fit in here and i don't mind having like hard at you know a hard ass coach or whatever there's going to be plenty of those but it's just kind of like and i guess this isn't even the case of being a hard ass but like be a hard ass you'll be in the league you know gms like that some players respond to that or whatever but you can't but i just think there's just a professional line that has to be drawn uh and it's you know it's a hard line and it's not just in the sand it's like this needs to be something like this is just how we conduct ourselves around each other like just because you're 50 years older than me or whatever the fuck doesn't mean you're like i don't know you're like the dictator within the locker room like yeah you're kind of like the you are the coach and everything but you're not like i don't know you just can't have this weird power trip or whatever going on in Mm -hmm. there anymore and i don't think players i think players of this generation definitely don't respond to that anymore. Like, I just don't think you're going to get the David Baxes of the world where he's talking about how like the team played so well because they banded together and hated Ken Hitchcock. <laughs> and they're like, we all hate him so much. And for some reason that made us, you know, rally together as a team and just be like, fuck this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, that's exactly what I wanted. And it's like, okay, this is fucking weird shit now. Um, I just don't think that happens anymore. You gotta, I think they talked about was that their new coach is like Pascal Vincent, and he's there's a whole thing about like coaching through positivity and stuff. And like, I mean, it's just proofs in the pudding in terms of like science and studies that have been done where it's like it might sound weak and snowflakey, but like if you are generally like have a positive message and deal with people in a positive way, they're gonna respond better to it, and you're probably gonna get more out of them doesn't mean you can't be a hard ass sometimes and demand more but it's just it's just a different way of coaching that i think is going to be much more um palatable to these players these days yeah um i mean i think i think you're exactly right i think it's it's good to see hopefully the nhl taking young players a little more seriously and realizing that the league is trending younger and younger and that the youth movement is more and more important because young players 
are really the lifeblood of a franchise. And speaking of young players, Ian, you see what I did there? Uh, Today's episode is not primarily about Mike Babcock. It's about the prospect pyramid. Uh, We are returning to our annual tradition, folks. If you haven't been here for more than a year, um, if you just started listening in the last year, let's be clear that you've really gotten our worst stuff. Um, we have <laughs> promised to get better, but we have not. No, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're so good. Everything's great. Yeah. Uh, but if you weren't here last year, haven't been here before, maybe just tune out the summer and rejoin in the regular season. But this year feels different. The Prospect Pyramid is a beautiful creation first made by Steve Dangle in 2016. Uh, It is a different approach to ranking prospects rather than having impossible to resolve arguments about whether Matthew Kessel is better than Zach Bolduck or Jimmy Snuggerud is more likely to succeed than Leo Loof, uh, which we could make our arguments about, but ultimately won't be able to resolve until we see them in the NHL or not. Uh, They simply sort the prospects into tiers. And those tiers kind of give a general idea of the prospect skill without necessarily saying, oh, this one is better than this one. This one's uh, got a better shot than this one, whatever. So what are those tiers? Tier one is absolutely elite. The Blues have no elite prospects. There, are, That's a spoiler alert. We do it every year. There's no one in <laughs> tier one. We're probably closer this year, kind of, to having mm-hmm. a tier one than ever before with Dollar Bill Dvorsky. But I wouldn't say even he is all that close. Uh, these are the franchise-altering superstar centerpiece type players. Elite prospects would never come out of anywhere but the first five picks in the draft, uh, at least not looking forward. You know, you would never look at anyone uh, except for the first five picks in the draft to be this kind of a player. So when you talk about this kind of a player, you're talking exclusively right now about Connor Bedard, maybe Adam Fantilli. Those are probably your only two arguments. Bedard is a lock. And then, you know, Fantilli, you could say, is probably the case. And I guess you might argue, well, Leo Carlson got taken over Fantilli, so shouldn't he be in the conversation? Mm-hmm. Who knows? But um, Adam Fantilli just dodged a bullet. Maybe, maybe you stretch and say Matt Vamichkov too. This year was a mm. little bigger on the on the high high end prospects, which obviously Mitchkov was taken outside the top five, but that's for a whole host of other reasons. But the point is, these are very few and far between, one to two a year max. The Blues haven't had one in the whole time that we have done this podcast, um, and maybe haven't had one ever uh, as a draftee because even Eric Johnson, if you went back and honestly evaluated that draft you might not say was an elite tier one prospect at the time uh tier two is your stars they're your top line forwards top pairing defenders uh lion's share goalkeepers they're the guys that run tnt commercials when your team is on national tv it's fun to see these notes updated every year even with different things like tnt or which prospects we're comparing to each other for the blues it's probably robert thomas jordan Cairo. Pavel Buchnevich, those guys, they're the guys you build your team around. They're the your elite. They're the guys that your elite players won't let you trade. Uh, usually, first round picks. Tier three are the studs, top six, top four defensemen, starters, and tandems. 
guys you need to have as a contender, but you don't think quite the same way you think about the stars. They don't receive the national attention, but they're huge contributors. For example, maybe Jacob Rana, uh, Kevin Hayes, you could put uh, in low tier three, high tier four, Colton Pareko, Jordan Bennington, all those guys at their best could be tier three players. Tier four, solid players, top nine and third line guys, starting six, back up in a tandem. They play significant support roles. You could replace them, but why would you want to? That's your shins, your sods, your Kapanen's, presuming uh, that he plays for the team this year. I hope he does. I assume he does. He'll be ready, Joel Hofer. Uh, tier five, serviceable. These are the guys that fill out a lineup. Uh, they get bounced around from the AHL to the NHL maybe sometimes. They don't usually embarrass you. Bortuzzo, Torpchenko, Sunquist, etc. And then this tier six is just everybody else. These are the guys uh, from a prospect position that are maybe long shots to make the NHL. And in the NHL, they're kind of the guys that bounce back and forth between the AHL and NHL and, you know, get waived, get two, two-way contract, et cetera, et cetera. Wow, I don't know why I'm so yawny today, Ian. I've done nothing but sleep. I slept all day. No, that's not true. But uh, I slept late this morning, so I shouldn't be. Anyway, Ian, how are we starting this prospect pyramid? Do you want to tell us the players that have graduated from this? Yeah, so... Jake Neighbors is on here last year. Uh, let me pull up the old sheet. Jake Neighbors was in tier three. We had him, and he's you know he's been on the team. He was uh, down in the AHL for a while. He ping ponged a bit last year, but presumably will start up with the big team this year and, and stay there. Tyler Tucker solidified himself as a top seven defenseman or a you know seventh defenseman rotating in and out uh, last year as well. Tyler Tucker we had. And he was on here tier five. We didn't even know that much about Tyler Tucker, but here he is. And then Nikita Alexandrov, I think you could keep him on the prospect pyramid, but I feel like you played enough with the Blues last year as old enough um, that we kind of know that he's going to be a fourth line guy that ping pongs between here and the HL maybe sticks up here if there's a uh, injury or if he, you know, it's just flashes where he's, he's hot for a while. Those three, I figure, really you can't consider prospects very much anymore. Gone, I didn't really see anybody on our old list that is actually gone. There's probably a few people like Tyson Galloway or Will Cranley or Brady Lyle who were tier six that just weren't really prospects. I mean, there were Mm -hmm. younger guys under 25 that we had signed that, you know, maybe we're going to debut in the NHL, have a couple games here and there with injuries, but... I don't think any of them really did. And I didn't see them on our, on our like um, hockey DB page, as far as like folks we had signed or in the AHL. Um, So no big losses. Um, So yeah, I mean, that's always good, but yeah, we, I mainly wanted to go through the sort of like quote unquote top 11 players we have um, going from tier two, three and four Tier five and six are kind of bloated uh, with a lot of players that we picked this year um, and some players we picked last year. I always hate putting players we picked um, in like maybe the last two years unless they're playing really well in anywhere but like tier five where it's like, okay, I don't re- we don't really know how Jacob Stankel is going to do. He's only 18. And, Put some Stankel. Yeah. <laughs> um, there isn't a, there are some exceptions this year because I think four of the players we picked this year are actually 
good enough where I've had like good enough um, seasons and we're picked high enough this year and have some really good evaluations that we can put them higher than like a tier five or something. And then tier six, uh, there's some guys down there too that some fun names, some names we've seen over the years that I just don't think are going to at this point really amount to much in terms of like making big NHL wow. impacts. Um, you know, bodying human game. Yeah, sorry. I, I, that's exactly who I'm talking about. I'm so sorry, Hugh. Oh we, my God. We his, love his family. On this podcast. His family follows this podcast. They listen religiously. Please keep listening. I will pop them again. I would say human gang is a strong tier five. I, strong. I'm outraged. I'm outraged. <laughs> That's a heavy Ian. tier five. I am outraged by Ian's insult. I'm talking a light tier matter. four. That's um, I feel like uh, I'm missing a goalie in here somewhere. You probably um, are. You're missing Joel Hofer. You're not. You're missing uh, Vadim Jarenko. You're not. You're missing Colton Ellie. You're not. You you have. Yeah, I'm like, there's got to be somebody else. Don't we draft a goalie every year? We didn't draft one this year, though. Isn't Ivan is Ivan Vorobyov a goalie? No, he's he's a forward. I think we only had the three. I know that doesn't seem right. I feel like we at least have. Like a I think it one. is right though. I don't think we have enough. The fuck? We got a stat. We got a. <laughs> We gotta uh, restock gotta the cover drop. board. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Who do we have? Ooh, who do we have that's a goalie? There's a goalie that we have that's on a team that's playing somewhere. Uh, isn't there? Are you? Have you forgotten a goalie? And that's yeah, my that's question. What I'm, telling you. I'm trying to find out. That's what I'm looking for. You know. You're here saying like you're an idiot, you don't know nothing, and I'm trying to answer your question. There are no blues in the system, according to uh elite prospects. We don't even have any goalies, so we're in trouble. <laughs> so yeah, that's 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 what we got. We got nothing. We got I got I got nothing. So uh anyway, let's move on. Ian. How about how about that? Will Cramley. Did you forget Will Cramley, Ian? Ian's gone. I've lost Ian entirely. Ian froze on me, and I don't know what what he can hear, what I can hear. It's just a frozen screen of Ian's face. I don't know what's happening, and I'm going to go ahead and pause. Ian, we were interrupted by your poor internet. I assumed it was my poor internet, but according to you, it's your fault. And uh, we are back. And in the time that you were away, I discovered, Ian, that you had forgotten the great Will Cranley, the goaltender, uh, that will be our backup in the American Hockey League this year as a goalie that you had forgotten. He is uh, 21 years old from Peterborough, Ontario. He was the sixth round pick in 2020, and you left him off the prospect pyramid entirely. Sort him oh, now, yeah. Ian. Put oh, him I, somewhere. Quickly, quickly. I did. He's, very little he's tier five. He's right behind Colton Ellis. He was already there. He was. He never moved. It's not That's moved. Right. No, I had him at there. tier six last year, so you know he moved up. Great. You did a good Dreams job. Dreams can come true. And dreams did come true when Dollarville Dvorsky was drafted at number 10 overall this year by the St. Louis Blues. How smooth was that transition? You may have dropped out, but I haven't missed the step again. The uh, Slovakian native at 19, at 18 years old uh, is the Blues' best prospect in 
uh, many years, I would say, at least the best prospect we've had since we started to realize how good, excuse me, Robert Thomas might be. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, is playing in Slovakia this year or in Sweden this year, excuse me, not in Slovakia. I meant to say in Europe, but then I just said in Slovakia. Um, he's playing two. That's true. Yes. But Slovakia is not the same as Europe, you might argue. Yeah. And Sweden is not in Slovakia. So that's the real problem here. Uh, he's playing at IK Oskarhamn, which is my favorite Swedish hockey league team. He's played two games and he's done nothing. So his career is probably over. Um, but last year he played at multiple levels. Uh, he lit up the U18 World Juniors as an alternate captain for Slovakia with 13 points in seven games, eight goals and five assists. He was a difference maker in the U20 World Juniors in five games. He played uh, a pivotal role, scoring a goal and two assists uh, for three total points. He also played uh, for AIK in uh, Hockey Alvenskanskan, which is, I think, the second league in Sweden. Mm. But the adult league still... 38 games played 14 points um, and he played at a number of levels too. Uh, this analysis from Corey Pronman, I'm assuming correct says Dvorsky is quite dangerous inside the offensive zone. He has excellent puck skills in small areas and can make checkers miss routinely in open ice. He can make tough plays and find seams. He excels as a goal scorer, though, with a wrist shot and a one-timer that he can often finish from range. Dvorsky's compete is good. He wins puck battles, and he isn't shy from using his body. Like a lot of shooters, he can stay too much on the perimeter instead of taking it to the net, but I never watch his games and think he lacks effort. His foot speed is going to be an issue for higher levels. I think with his offensive talent, his work ethic, and strong and consistent track record of scoring, he finds a way to become a very important part of an NHL lineup, but I'm less sure of whether he sticks down the middle or has to be a winger due to his skating. Your thoughts, Ian, on Dollar Bill Dvorsky? I would agree that he's definitely the best prospect the Blues have had since probably Thomas and Thomas's whatever second year as a prospect. We're all like, oh, this guy, all of a sudden Doug Armstrong is talking about him playing first line minutes with Ryan O'Reilly or whatever. Um, Just like a huge upside. I think some draft analysis folks had him ranked like in the top 10, like as high as like seventh some people had him ranked in the late teens but i think where the blues got him is a perfect spot and he has like really great offensive upside and i think the blues too are probably really happy that he has like a very high compete level for somebody that that's that talented um i always think of guys like Sidney crosby and stuff i'm not saying that's who he is but like when you've got someone with that much talent that's also going to compete at like a fourth line sort of like level you're going to have like a really good player in your hands and like I said, I don't think that's necessarily Dvorsky, but I think the fact that they highlight those two things um, is very promising for him. I'm very interested to see how he plays this year and, you know, in the coming years, you know, he's still probably two to three years away from making this team, but I think he's definitely one of the few prospects we have that's like ceiling as top six forward. Yeah. I agree. Um, I mean, I think he he has the potential to be kind of that 
um, complementary piece to Thomas and and Kairu as like the core of the future. Uh, and you can throw um, Bujanovic in there too, but he's a little older and his contract isn't done yet, mm-hmm. so I'm a little hesitant there. Um, as we will talk about throughout this, I'm sure the question marks would still be on the defensive side of things, whether there's enough skill to build a unit there to keep that team uh, afloat. But I think our offense uh, is very promising for uh, a lot of these guys. What were you going to say? Sorry. Did you say something? Mm-hmm. No, he didn't interrupt. Uh, okay. Um, there was more of someone else's uh, analysis here that I didn't read. It said he sound defensive, defensively, positionally. He sound positionally, defensively, and he uses his body to gain inside positioning on defenders and shield pucks effectively. I no longer have concerns about his skating. He has also shown a little more fire. Uh, he trusts his one timer and his wrister for mid range. He's got quick hands and instincts with standout puck control and shading, and he uses them to take pucks to the middle. I like him in giving goes and in individual attacking sequences inside the zone. He's a highly talented and intelligent playmaker who can threaten coverage in a variety of ways, whether that's carving through it in control and finishing cleanly from the home plate area. That's a different sport. Sliding off of coverage to find pockets of space to get open into, that's also a different sport. Or drawing coverage and facilitating. Are you sure you're not talking about uh, football? He does a wonderful job hanging on to pucks. That's the right sport. And waiting for options to open. He'll occasionally force things, but he usually finds his way through with his skill, strength on pucks, and smarts. Uh, and then finally, comfortable at, as ever, running things on the flank on the power play. Does a beautiful job waiting for scenes and lanes to open for his passing or shot. Puck control stands out, shades it well, progress in his skating. Uh, looks stronger than he did in the summer. Thought he held his own at center. That's them talking about him playing at some tournament, I believe. Um, any final thoughts on Dvorsky? Um. Not really. I just I'm just glad that we drafted him. I'm glad that uh we got somebody that we both kind of wanted that we were like projected to go maybe uh, even higher than we thought he was going to, and that it actually like worked out in the end. Like that was that was very refreshing to see on draft night. Yes, we tried so hard, we got so far, and in the end we drafted Dollar Bill Dvorsky. And that is Dope. Uh, all right. So moving on, we've got Jimmy James Snuggerud. He uh, is a second year player, third year player, I guess. No, second year player at the University of Minnesota or will be this season. Presumed that he is going back there. Um, probably his final season there. You would hope. Um, certainly you hope the Blues lock it down and get him to come play professional hockey and sign him. Uh, and that there's no concern there. Um, long way to go before that's even a discussion, but he had a great season there. Uh, according to um, Pronman, he said he was a big part of the success of Minnesota's top line and was one of the better forwards at the World Juniors. Snuggerud is full of skill and offensive creativity, makes difficult deeks and passes seem routine, and despite not having great foot speed, he generates a lot of controlled entries with his skill. Inside the zone, he's a passing shot, shot threat, and can impact a power play. He has a decent frame, competes hard for pucks, and can generate offense at the next level or at the net. Excuse me, his skating is the only real issue in his game, but everything else says top six wing 
which is what I think he projects as. Also, looking more like a star prospect than a good one these days. Every piece of his game has elevated this season. Plus shot, plus skill, good enough skater, hard on pucks, hunts pucks. One of the best players on the ice in just about every game. Great job releasing and moving as soon as he had made his play. Gets free. Much like the Vines. Was that the Vines or the Strokes? Who's saying get free, Ian? You have to tell me. It's got to be the Strokes. That's more of a Strokes song. Let's see. Let's find out. Let's do this. Let's have this interview. Get free (laughs) was by... Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Lana Del Rey. No, that's not right. Major Laser. No, that's not right. The Vines. It was the Vines. Ian. Aren't you happy? Are you happy? You know that now? Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll oh, no. forget. Next I didn't even know that was ask. a band. Should I know that's a band? I knew that was a. The, you don't yeah. know the Vines, Ian, with such hits as Get Free and uh, No Other Songs? You didn't know that? You didn't know about them? Well, all right. That's the song. That's the outro. Yeah. Well, maybe, Ian. That's that's a lot of hockey to talk about. We could reference another song on this here podcast. Uh, Ian, 40 40 games, 50 points, 21 goals, 29 assists uh, at uh, University of Minnesota. An additional 13 points in seven games at the World Juniors, five goals, eight assists. Uh, Jimmy Snuggerud seems to be the real deal, rising quickly in a lot of people's eyes, hopefully playing NHL hockey in uh, a year, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on the young stud from War Road, Minnesota? I'm just going to assume. <laughs> Probably. I liken him in my eyes a lot to um, Robert Thomas, not really in how they play or anything, but just in the fact that it was projected. He was projected to be a pretty good player. Uh, much like Thomas, Minnesota. Chaska. You ever heard of Chaska? Oh yeah, I've heard of Chaska. Have you really? Who hasn't? No, yeah, I have. <laughs> Where yeah. is it? Is it in the Twin Cities? I don't fucking know, but I've heard <laughs> people talk about it. I think it's rich. I mean, that would make sense, right? Yeah, oh, rich and yeah. white. Oh yeah, <laughs> that is like back real nice. <laughs> would, you, uh, would you would you believe it? There's a lake there. Yeah. Oh yeah, big old lake. Virtual tour of Chaska, Minnesota. Do you want to take this? Do you want to interrupt the podcast? No. Take this. Ah, uh, let's do it, Ian. No, I'm kidding. Go on. You were saying. Oh, I was just Guess saying. Guess what? It's right outside the Twin Cities. Oh, it is. Is it west? Is it west? It's west. Yes, yeah, southwest. Yeah that's, yeah, that's the rich folks. Yep. They got their own West County. Um, I was just thinking Snuggard's a lot like Thomas, and that when we drafted both of them, they were projected to be pretty good players. Anyways, and then a year after we drafted them, they're like, uh, their stock has gone up. They look even better, which is great. That's what you want out of any player you draft. Um, And I think he is looking to be much more of a kind of dangerous two-way player. Um, I think maybe when we draft him, I was thinking we were kind of getting what Jake Neighbors is projected to be, but it looks like Snugger is definitely projecting me more of like a top six um winger at this point which is great i think he's i think he's like an a i I know he's like a year away from playing or trying to play in the nhl but i feel like he's the type of player that's going to excel in the nhl just given his attributes um that he has already he doesn't have great foot speed i see that there's a trend i think we saw this trend in previous years that we don't really give a shit if they can skate overly well we just want a player that competes hard 
and has uh, some good instincts with the puck, which he does. And he has a, a nice scoring touch as well and compete level and all of that. So I think that whole package rounded up looks like a player that's got a lot of promise for us. I think him and Dvorsky are probably the two players that the ceiling is the highest. And I feel like they're unless something un- unforeseen happens, they're just not going to be busts in any way unless you consider them both of them being like third line players or whatever you know at the end of it all like busts but i think they're two really good picks that are great for like a future core for this team yeah uh definitely i mean i think these two guys stand above anyone else is like the the core players in the future of the team and and we like it we love to see it they've hope we got uh, the stuff to be great NHL players. Uh, Ian has gone ahead and put Otto Stenberg brutally down in tier three because he hates him. Ian, defend yourself now. Like go. Swedes. Um, Otto Stenberg, Blues drafted him this year. You might remember uh, first round, number 25 overall. Uh, he's going to play him for London, the SHL, the Swedish Hockey League this year. Um, that's where he played last year as well. With the junior uh, 20 and under for London team, he played 29 games, had 11 goals, 15 assists for 26 points. Um, for Sweden and the – this is what I was trying to figure out. This is weird. What is World Junior Championship 18? And then there's the International Junior. And I'm like, I don't know what the difference is um, between these two. Uh, for Stenberg, I'm trying to find his listing. Sorry, I lost the page um wjc u18 is the actual tournament for under 18 year old players then the international junior is just all u18 games that they played oh okay well all u18 games that they played you fucking lit it up like they played 19 you had 17 goals and 15 assists for 32 points like that's really really good um a, a pretty dependable center i think promen said there's there's a lot to like about Stenberg's game. He's a strong skater with good hands who can be a threat in transition. His shot is excellent, and Stenberg is often a threat to score from the faceoff dots, although I don't know that that will be his role in the NHL power play. Stenberg isn't the biggest for, but he gives an honest effort every night and doesn't shy from going into traffic. His hockey sense is good enough to score at higher levels, and he's certainly more of a shooter than a passer. He's listed as a center, but is likely a pro winger. I could see him as a second or third line wing in the NHL. And then I believe uh, this was Wheeler's pre-draft scouting notes on Stenberg. He said he's a crafty handler who hangs onto the puck to spin away from pressure, attacks in and out of crowds, makes plays in the space for himself, and can comfortably make plays through layers to others. He's also got an accurate shot from mid-range and regularly picks corners. I love the way he attacks on angles to help prevent defenders from taking him one-on-one. You gotta love the way he attacks on angles. I mean, oh, yeah, that's he, the best part. He is very obtuse in that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, geometry. Angle jokes. You love them. <laughs> you come for him. You stay for him. We've got him. I mean, we've got an acute amount of angle jokes. Oh, here. no. <laughs> Isosceles. Uh, <laughs> When he plays with, they saw Sully's puns and they're gonna leave. No, no, ruined it. I'm done. I'll never speak again. Ian, the rest of the podcast is all you. Math is over. I'm too much of a square. (laughs) (laughs) Got him. The square, Uh, square. I mean, there's geometry, but that's just like a basic shape. 
Yeah, that's true. And uh, Otto Stunberg, back to him. I'm sure his face has a very pleasant state shape because he's Swedish. That's right. Uh, Tell us more. <laughs> Wheeler said when Severn plays the pace and intention, he seems to have the puck all the time, and he's both effective and, and he's both effective and flashes a skill in all three zones. There have been times where he looks like he's trying a little too hard to impress and make things happen instead of allowing the game to come to him. But even when things aren't going his way and the points aren't falling, he always liked or he's I've always liked his involvement level. So it's hard to get too down on him. He's a smooth skater. He's got smooth hands. He's patient under pressure and can find his way out of trouble, weaving and swerving through holes or away from sticks. He's quick side to side on little jumps and drags, and he likes to try to take D one-on-one, which can result in some high-end plays, but also some turnovers. He's a first-round talent who passed the eye test, and I think it's only a matter of time until he starts to produce more consistently. I don't think anyone who is familiar with his game would be surprised if he became a contributing top nine forward at the NHL level someday, which is kind of where I would see him right now. Is like if he sticks to center, probably like a third-line center, um, maybe plays up and down the lineup, maybe more of like a Ivan Barbashev type where it's like you move up the lineup when folks are injured or when you're trying to look for a different look for your team. Um, some people might kind of turn their nose up at that for like a first round player. Like really, it's just like a top nine player. And it's like, yeah, I think we've talked about this earlier in the summer, but once you get out of like the even top five, sometimes, you know, top 10, maybe this year, just because it was so deep, you're going to get guys that are like, they're very, they're going to be very good players, but that doesn't mean they're going to be all elite talent or whatever. And so when you're picking number 25, um, what did we pick Thomas at 20 or whatever? You're not always going to get like late rounds home runs. And that's just me doing a complete disservice to Stenberg and trying to like taper or temper expectations. Like, I just think he's going to be, if you around. think he's tempering expectations yeah. now, folks, wait till we get to Theo Lindstrom. Oh, yeah. That dude sucks. <laughs> um, I just still think it was a really good pick. Like, this is like a, I don't know what you call it, like a safe pick, but like a good a good pick in that way, where like this is a plus. Ian has frozen yet again. We've lost him for a third time. And we will be right back. Ian's internet problems have made recording this podcast a nightmare today. And it's going to make editing it even more of a nightmare. <laughs> so, folks, bear with us. I say God call Charter. What you've heard. Call so, Charter, Ian, everyone. They suck. Do you have any more thoughts on Otto Stenberg? Um, no, I don't. Otto Stenberg, great pick. Solid player. Fantastic. I'm going to shoulder the load on these next couple of picks in case we lose you again. Keep your comments short. Oh, he's dying again. And speaking of dying, it's Zachary Bulldog. I don't know why that's got any. No, wait, I've jumped ahead. I've jumped way ahead. Excuse me. It's a different Zach. Excuse me. It's Zach Dean, who is the player that we got for Ivan Barbashev, who we then replaced with Otto Stenberg, as Ian just uh, carefully pointed out to us. Dean uh, played for the Gatineau Olympiques in the QMJHL last year, scoring 33 goals in 50 games uh, with 70 total points. But as we know, even uh, Demetra the Cat could score that many points in the QMJHL and has, although... Is Demetra doping? We've discussed this on Twitter. If you haven't mm-hmm. seen 
folks. Uh, there are questions about Demetra's, um, let's shall we say, chemical makeup. Um, so, you know, more on that over on Twitter. But uh, Dean also threw up uh, 26 points in 13 playoff games for the Olympic. Uh, he threw three points on the board for Canada at the World Juniors. Uh, under 20, he uh, came over as the sole return in the trade package for Ivan Barbashev. He was very good in his final QMJHL season, according to Prominent Make Canada's U20 team. He's not going to land on many highlight reels, but Dean has a lot of NHL qualities. He has good speed and hands and projects to create controlled assets and entries at the NHL level. He's a competitive forward who has a physical edge in his game. He isn't the most prolific scorer ever, but he has an excellent shot that can beat pro goalies from range. Has the qualities to be a middle six forward, and if he stays down the middle, he could be a third center. So we traded Ivan Barbashev for Ivan Barbashev. He That's sets true. the tempo physically. It costs him in the opener, though, with two penalties and ejection for an illegal check to the head. I don't know what tournament they're talking about here. Is this the World Juniors? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. he uh, Good details along the wall with the puck. Makes a lot of little plays off of the boards. Um, not a player that I am going to pretend to know a ton about. I'm fairly excited to see him. I think we could see him play some NHL games this year. Um and uh, you know, I think he'll be. I think he'll be solid. I think he'll play. He will kind of play that Barbashev role, playing up and down the lineup a little bit, and you know, moving at center and wing at times, and that'll be fine. And again, you know, if that's what you get, if you get an NHL player in return for a trade for Ivan Barbashev, you take it. Am I right, or am I right? That's right. This guy could be next year's, last year's Ivan Barbashev. Ivan Barbashev, a great Golden Knight, a two-time Cup champion. Eh, eh, don't like hearing that uh although it is true and you should uh acknowledge it joel hofer gonna be the nhl backup this year for the st louis blues rounding out the bottom of tier three he uh played very well for the springfield thunderbirds last year of 47 games he had a 250 goals against average and a 921 save percentage uh he had five shutouts uh, in that time, he had a little bit of a poor playoff performance to follow on the heels of a great playoff performance the season before. Uh, if you follow Joel Hofer or the Blues for a while, you know his story. Kind of a, a decent goalie prospect, but really broke onto the scene uh, when at the 20, uh, would have been what, 2020, 2019 World Junior Championship, mm -hmm. uh, the team well, the, he was taken in. He was wasn't invited to camp over the summer. Then he was taken onto the roster as the third string goalie for Canada. Got involved in a game that was a blowout and kind of steadied the ship. And so got to play the rest of the season, the rest of the, or got to play the next game, but ended up dominating so much that he played the rest of the tournament. Uh, took the team to gold. One goalie of the tournament had like a. I don't have it in front of me, but like a 150 goals against average and like a 945 save percentage, something ridiculous. Um, very fantastic. And, you know, it's obviously been a little higher thought of ever since then. Seems to be a bit of a clutch performer. Certainly has the size. I think he's like 6'5", 6'6". Um, and, uh, you know, looks to be a potential future number one for the Blues. He's 23 uh, he's 6'5", as I mentioned, and he uh, will be stepping in as the Blues backup to Jordan Bennington, which, as we all know, means that he could very well be the Blues starter before the end of the season. So, you know, the biggest Hofer, impact. 
I think the sky is, is the ceiling is fairly high for Hofer, but um, the thing to me will just be kind of controlling his transition into the NHL and hopefully Bennington can provide enough stability that he hasn't called upon to start a ton of games and he gets to kind of take his time to develop. Ian, your thoughts on Joel Hofer, if you have any. Um, I mean, like you said, I think he's got the biggest... And that'll be can... all for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, he's, and he's dropped. And Chargers dropped him as a customer. Yes, For correct. his flagrant comments. Um, uh, he's got the biggest chance to have the biggest impact on this team this year. Especially, like you said, if, if um, Bennington doesn't have it or goes down to an injury. I think we saw, you know, some of them last year... He seems like uh, he could be fairly steady. You know, we don't know until we see him in longer stretches in the NHL, but we're going to see that this year with him being the de facto backup. Um, we could see a lot of him this year. So I'm just I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. I'm glad that we have a backup that's actually like has a job to win, both as a backup and even as the starter versus, say, bringing in some some guy like Carter Hutton or whoever that's like a career backup that's just here to make some money and have some fun because then it's just really not pushing Bennington at all. So, you know, all the luck in the world to Joe Hofer this year. Yeah. Um, I hope he has a great season and, um, you know, maybe wins the Calder trophy. No, I'm kidding. That would be ridiculous, but just hope he stays uh, in the NHL and performs well because the Blues need him too, and I want his future to be very, very bright. And speaking of players who don't have a bright future, it's Theo Lindstein, who the uh, my co-host on this podcast has absolutely bodied. Ian, I'd ask you to explain yourself, but it's probably about time for your internet to go out again. So let me just read this analysis of Lindstein's game. Uh, it's quiet but effective, says Pronman. He's a strong skater who can kill a lot of rushes and transport pucks up ice. He's a smart puck mover who makes a great first pass and has some blue lies poise, but Ian thinks he sucks, so it's all pointless. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Corey Palmer uh... didn't say that, you idiots. Come on. What are you thinking? He can make some tough plays and get up into attacks, even though I wouldn't call his offensive touch a standout aspect. He's not that physical but he defends well due to his brain and feet and gives a solid effort. I see him as a third pair defenseman in the NHL. And that's the deal. That's the sentence that sealed it for Ian. Uh, this is a non-athletic article that Ian pulled this next bit from. God only knows where. He's an unspectacular but solid two-way defenseman whose well-rounded and mature game has already seen action in 49 SHL games. That's the highest league in Sweden. In the last two seasons, he was also an alternate captain and big part of Sweden's top four at U18 Worlds and will have a chance to make their world junior team in his post-draft season. His game is... So if he makes his decisions quick, it's in defense at high levels. Um, and uh, there's just a presence and detail to his game out there. He manages play and uses strong positioning. A good... Uh, stick and a heady approach to have his impact. There's not a lot of offense to his game, but it feels like he's got a fairly high floor with slash likelihood of becoming a solid D partner to someone in the NHL long term. Ian, that's Theo Lindstein in a nutshell. You were unimpressed enough to put him in tier four rather than tier three. Explain yourself. 
you know, and that'll be all. Me. So, <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. Go on. Please. He sounds like um, like a, a top six player. Like he's going to be a defenseman in the NHL. I just don't know where you'll be. Maybe I think maybe Pronman and and Wheeler maybe tempering their own expectations. They don't know too much about him just yet. Maybe he'll be better. I mean, I forget what it was or who it was. I guess it was TNT or ESPN or whoever was doing the coverage this year where they had a comparable to Alex Petrangelo for this guy. And I was like, what? Um, So if he turns into even half of Alex Petrangelo, I'll be over the moon. So there's something there. And I think that he could definitely move up the prospect pyramid in the future he could have been anywhere from like tier three to tier fives because we don't know that much about him. I haven't seen that much of him yet. Um, and just like the overall impressions of him have just been kind of like, yeah, he's he's going to be an initial defenseman, but of what level or caliber, it's just kind of unknown at this point. Um, but, you know, it's he's still probably our best defenseman or our best like defensive prospect. So So there's that. Yeah, I mean, that's not saying a whole lot, but it's saying something. Um, uh, yeah, um, that's I think he'll be good. I think he'll be we needed a a projectable NHL defenseman in our pipeline. Finally, we've got one. Now we should go trade for draft a couple because we sure don't have any others in the system very high. Although we'll talk about some. We'll talk about some guys that are guys. You know, there's guys. And we will talk about them. Uh, We will say their name at the very least. Zachary Bolduck is a first-round pick from 2021 that Ian absolutely bodied, despite the fact that he scored 110 points in 61 games for the Quebec Rimparts last season. But that's nothing. Uh, that's Anyone not. Do that. It's the QMJHL. It's the hardest scoring league in junior hockey, and we've always said mm-hmm. this. Demetra had to dope to be their leading <laughs> scorer. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but yes, what is your case for Bulldog being so low on this pyramid, Ian? I think just reading through analysis of him is like he's got a scoring touch, but he's just much more of a perimeter player. Um, that seems to work in juniors. Uh, just because defense is so poor, especially uh, in the queue. But whether that <laughs> translates to the NHL is yet to be seen. I I think we had him in tier three last year. Um, he could still move up there next year, or, you know, some some point when we redo this in the middle of the season, like we always do. Um this year when he's playing for Springfield. We like, always do that. Yeah, we always do that. The midseason uh read. Ducks. Um, I like to. I'd like to see him do well in the AHL. I think if he does well in the AHL, that bodes really well for him actually making impact at the NHL level. Um, it also bodes well for your mom. Oh, 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 oh got him. I don't know where uh, they came from. I'm like, sorry. I'm sorry like about that. Ian. <laughs> says he said. He's so talented, I think he'll end up playing NHL games, but I'd like to see more interior offense. I'll translate before I say he's going to have a career. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, he's his name rhymes with Bulldog, so he has to be good. That's my case on the matter. Do you think we'll see him at all in the NHL this year? Uh, I, 
I doubt it unless he just lights it up in the AHL or we have like a shit ton of injuries. I feel like yeah. they always leave the the more skilled players down there because when they have like an injury, they're like, we got to bring up um, two way. Yeah, we got to bring up Beardy McBeard face who's <laughs> really good in the corners. Yeah, oh, he loves those corners. So Ian hates Zachary Volduck. You know who else Ian hates is your edge. Pecker chick. I I don't know how to. No, this this guy gets my this guy gets my Alexei Toropchenko uh, award. For, oh, really? For a guy that might might make a much larger impact on this team than he is currently placed on the. Uh, wow, the Ian with a, the Alexei Toropchenko award for your edge, Pekarich, Pekarich, your this guy. Uh, he is a strong skater who can create tough offensive plays at pace. He's got excellent hands and can beat defenders one-on-one at a strong clip. His playmaking isn't amazing, but it's good enough, especially how he can create on the move or from small areas. Pekarczyk's compete is an asset. He gets to the net, wins battles, and doesn't shy away from physical play, even if I, I being Corey Pronman, wouldn't call him overly aggressive. He has a lot of the traits of a bottom six wing in the NHL and has a chance to be more if he hits. Uh, he was taken 76 overall, played for the Dubuque, Dubuque Fighting Saints of the USHL last year uh, and for Slovakia as a U18 team. Uh, or excuse me, he will play for Dubuque this season. He played in Slovakia last season. On the U18 team at the World Juniors, he did 10 points in seven games. Uh, and he's a very strong player. A lot of people high on this pick. Ian, tell us why you're high on this. I think it's all about uh, compete level with them. It's a guy that competes hard. It sounds like the Blues and many other um, draft analysts had him going higher than this. So him falling to you know number 76 all the way in the third round was pretty good for the Blues. It just seems like a guy that's maybe your prototypical third line player, um, maybe fourth line, you know, bottom six guy, but like it just has a lot of upside when it comes to compete and being like a tough guy to play against and being a determined player. Um, like I said, maybe he has to hit more and be a little more physical um, if he wants to make it in the NHL. But for a third round pick, if you're project them to even make the NHL at all and be have any sort of impact like um Promines and some of these other analysts are, I'd say that's like a really good pick um that late in the draft. Yeah. 76th overall, the greatest player ever to come from the 76th overall pick, of course, is Tiger Williams. I think everybody knows that. Um I don't know. I don't I made that up. That was uh, that was made up. So you know for what it's worth. Um but uh, yeah, that's the thing that happened, and um, I'm glad we got him. I think he should be good. I just don't know enough about him to be like he's going to be amazing, you know. But it's going to be cool to watch his career develop, which is part of the fun of this whole thing. Ian, you put Mark Andre Godet or Godet in uh, this tier, uh, despite being a fifth round pick last year. He's with the Springfield Thunderbirds next year. Last season, he played for Akadi Bathurst Teton and the 
Chikatimi Saganines and the Sherbrooke Phoenix over the last three seasons. Uh, he had a strong final QMJHL season, earning an NHL contract. He's got a highly intriguing skill set for a fifth round pick. Gaudet, Gaudet, do you know Ian is a tall defenseman with legit offensive abilities? Uh, he is a dangerous as a rusher with his skill as well as being a goal scoring or pinch threat from the blue line his mobility is just okay and would be his main issue in the nhl in terms of defending nhl speed but the rest of the game points to someone who could play games ian your thoughts on mark andre gaudet i'm gonna say gaudet because it sounds better even if it's not correct that's right um I don't know. It just sounds like a serviceable defenseman. He had one of the better analysis uh, blurbs of any of our defensemen. A lot of the later ones were like, could be a player at the AHL level. And at least for Gaudet, they were saying, oh, he has like the skill level or the skill set to be an NHL defender. Um, I feel like too, as someone in the I know he's in the queue he's defenseman but like 35 points in 35 games uh that's just with Sherbrooke 26 points 31 games with the uh whatever I don't know what that is um the Caddy Bathurst T oh I know that or you what's the, the other one Chickatimi Saganan yeah there you go you got it uh I mean he was almost a point per game player as a defenseman not too bad nine points in 14 playoff games last year too um i don't know there's some upside there i think as an offensive defenseman and it doesn't look like we have too many of those right now in our in our uh pipeline so granty's lefty uh the guy we're about to talk about is lefty um what's his face Theo winstein's left-handed defenseman like you know who else is a left-handed defenseman scott perinovich it's not even on the pyramid did he yeah he graduated last year Years I mean, ago. Yeah, he hasn't played uh, very many you games. Hate, you but hate off. Scott Perunovich. That's right. So you were saying? Oh, that's it. That's it? Marc-Andre Gaudet. I begged you to tell me when you're done speaking so that there Over. aren't these awkward pauses in the podcast. People can't deal with them anymore, okay? People but we are going to get better. It. Oh, we're trying, folks. We're Our semi-corum slob. God damn it. Why did we get so many with such difficult to pronounce names? Our semi-corumislav uh was a player who got better last year. He played up all season with SKA in a limited minute role. His toolkit is quite intriguing. He's a big defenseman who can skate, and at times over his career, he's even shown flashes of offense. That part of his game isn't consistent, but I've seen enough puck moving in him that the sum of the parts makes for a potential NHL defenseman. I presume with time he will play more for SKA which is a tough lineup to crack. Uh, Ian, you put Arseny Kormislav in the fourth tier. Explain why. And again, another defenseman that actually has some upside where analysts are saying they could play some NHL games. Uh, you're talking about a player that's bigger. He's he's a size. I don't know how tall he is. He's a size when he steps on the ice. He's a big defenseman every time he steps on the ice. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Stall, Ian. Yeah. Stall. I'm looking it up. Oh, my God. Keep stalling. Maybe he's a Russian Tyler Tucker. Oh, my 
God, I can't. I already can't spell his name. Oh no! Oh no! Arsenio Hall. Arseni? It's Arseni? Oh wow, it is. I started. I typed our pen. Our pen. I can't speak. I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> he is. He is. Wait for it. He is six foot two. Every time he steps on. Oh, that's. I mean, that's tallish. It wasn't worth it. I. It get wasn't it. worth oh, it. Oh my god. Um, much like that pick wasn't worth it. Yes, I agree. I agree. Do you have more thoughts on our Sinicormus log? Oh, no. Okay. All right. Well, I guess that's it for our Tinny. Uh, our Semi. God dang it. Steven, say his name correctly. Ian, uh, now we round out tier four with the person that I'm giving the Jordan Bennington Award for <laughs> goalie who could be a goalie someday, despite the fact that he's currently a goalie. He was 2019 seventh round pick at number 208 out of Russia. Not known a lot about then, but he's been very intriguing throughout his career. Played the season with AHL Springfield last year. 30, uh, he had 25 point 20 at 25 games he had a 314 um goals against average and a 913 save percentage um he's just uh 14 years old which is incredible and uh i think he does have potential to be an NHLer in the future um maybe as a backup to Joel Hofer he's uh 22 he's from Moscow he's six foot four every time he steps onto the ice Ian it's Vadim Shurenko your thoughts yeah I mean a really good AHL season last year he's going to be playing presumably as the starter in Springfield this year um I think so at least like maybe splitting time with Colton Ellis um or Will Cranley I don't even know where Colton Ellis is anymore but he's probably going to be playing more than 25 games. And with a 9-13 last year, that's that's pretty good. Um, you want to see more from an, an extended, you know, extended look throughout a longer season, more games played. But I think for a seventh round pick, like 208th overall, having a goalie that could possibly play some NHL games, uh, you know, in the future or with a rash of injuries this season, like that's... That's a really, really, really good pick. Yeah, uh, I would love it if he turned into an NHL player. Um, but, you know, that's uh, that's remains to be seen as it does for all of these guys. Now, folks, Ian hasn't even bothered to take notes on the fifth and sixth tier. Um, so we're just going to read these names off to you. And then uh, we'll make a few comments if anyone stands out to us, because Ian can't be bothered to do his job, much like his internet can't be bothered to do its job. Uh, Ian, by the way, where in the house is your new office slash dungeon set up? It is completely diagonal from the the router so it is like the furthest point away from that but that's not ideal but, but where is it dies anywhere it's it's in our guest room it's it's on the far it's i th- i thought have you, you ever even looked in there no you mm-hmm. set it up but, but it's still a guest room but it's also oh, yeah. your office oh yeah there's like a bed behind me wow and his shirt says Schlafly. He's real St. Louis, folks. Oh, and there's also a dog bed in there. there. Very fancy. But then, like, it looks all empty. But then, like, uh, I don't know. Can I? The dog bed was empty. Unless well, yeah, the dog bed's empty. But like, 
At least I like put stuff up on the wall. Oh wow! Look at you go. Look at you go. You're forcing people to look at your St. Louis Blues memorabilia and your scarves when they stay over. And I won't do it. If you ever invite me, I'm taking all that down. But in any case, Ian, uh, we've got in the tier tier the fifth. You have placed Noah Beck, Michael Buchinger, Quentin Burns, Paul Fisher. Alexandri Kaskamaki, who I hope is better than that, just because his name's so good. Leo Luf, Dylan Peterson, Nikita Susiev, Simon Robertson, the big Swede with a heavy shot. Ian doesn't care about any of that. He's tier five. He doesn't even get notes. Mikhail Abramov, Landon Sim, Matthew Mayich. Was Mikhail Abramov part of the return for Ryan O'Reilly? Ian, I believe so. Yeah. Wow, that's exciting. Uh, Matthew Mayich, Matt Kessel, Tanner Dickinson. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I know why I laughed at it, but it's still so embarrassing that I'm not going to admit to it. Jacob Stancil, Colton Ellis, who he almost forgot entirely, or no, excuse me, Will Cranley, who he almost forgot entirely. Ian, does anyone stand out on this list as someone you want to talk about? I mean, Simon Robertson is supposedly has a offensive upside. Um, doesn't look like he scored too much this year, but maybe that's just the league that he's in. Um I think folks at the time that we drafted him, which was probably, I think it was last year, um, said that it was a really good pick. Like they thought he was going to go higher than what he did. Um, so that's one that sticks out to me. Um, Quentin, Quentin Burns, Paul Fisher, and Nikita Susiev, Matthew Mayich, and uh, Jacob Stansel, those are all guys that got drafted this year. So really they could kind of go anywhere in the future. Um Mikhail Abramov, I think, could be like a decent prospect. I think everybody else on here is just kind of, I just don't know that much about him. I just, Matt Kessel's intriguing. Um, I feel like Leo Luf's been here a while. I don't even know. I think he might be playing in, in Springfield finally. So maybe with extended time in the AHL or in North America, you get a better look and see what he really is. Um, but yeah, I mean, those would be the guys that I would. I would circle as potential guys moving up the pyramid, perhaps. Yeah, I'm down with that. Good call. I think uh, Colton Ellis could be pretty good, too. Um, We'll see. We'll we'll see. Uh, And then moving into tier six, Ian has put the uh, incomparable Anton Malmstrom Josh Jacobs, who I'm pretty sure is a running back for the Las Vegas Raiders, so I'm not sure how he got in here. Kian Washkarak, uh, he won it two times in a row. He won the OHL coaches poll for hardest working player, but that hasn't gotten him into the NHL yet. Jeremy Biakabatuka, who I know a lot of people are excited by a prospect camp, but he is just a, a prospect camp free agent that we signed. Matthias Laferriere, who's been in the system for longer than most of these guys, Hunter Skinner, Ivan Vorobyov, and of course the aforementioned and much beloved Hugh McGing. Ian, take a moment to explain yourself to Hugh McGing and his family. I mean, Hugh, you've done you cracked the lineup once, which is great. I'm glad you you saw a game. Um, but you're 25. It's 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 a warm salad. It's a warm sear mist. <laughs> <laughs> um you know it's 
Yeah, it's a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I I hope you I hope you make it and are in the league longer. But five nine, hundred and seventy four pounds. It says on here, twenty five years old. You're also from Chicago, so that's another strike. Like, uh, you know, great name, great family. We love your family. We love the McGains, but uh, you know, sometimes sometimes it's just not meant to be. Sometimes you end up a um, BJ Crombie and you're selling insurance and don't want to talk about your hockey career. Well, that was depressing, Ian. Thanks for that. <laughs> You've done great. We're all very proud of you. Um. I think human gang will still be an NHL all-star one day. So I have not given up the faith. Unlike some people, I remain loyal to the end and I will not fall into this trap of, of uh, nonsense that Ian has predicted. So that's my take. Um, Ian, you're trash. Your opinions are trash. That's all I have to say about the matter. Just kidding. Ian, you're great. We love you. We love you here. You're the, you're the greatest. Um, oh, thanks man. <laughs> But uh, that's all we have to say about the 2023-24 NHL St. Louis Blues Prospect Pyramid. Ian, before we go, could you quickly uh, pull up the picture roll on your phone so I can see what kind of a person you are? hey <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, Ian, this has been a long episode. Your internet has died so many times. Is there anything more you'd like to say before we get out of here? Oh, look at these dogs. Oh, look at that. That's not a nude. That ain't a nude. And those dogs that's, are nude. That's not some uh, Instagram tea hot sending you her sloppy booty. <laughs> that's <laughs> your pups. So, you know, good to know. Uh, Look, it's Ian, me eating a eating a Pokeball cookie. Oh, wow. That will probably tell Mike Babcock that you're some kind of fucking nerd. <laughs> um uh yeah ian that's it we've got we've done a whole podcast these bloodthirsty people have been satiated we'll be back in a week to talk more things like a division preview probably now, hockey is like 25 days away y'all it's that's so right. close and then we have to return to the misery that is regular season blues <laughs> fandom but until then folks i want to get free ride into the sun ian never loved me and why should anyone this has been the two guys one oh. podcast you all have a great evening See you.